This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we have a special Monday edition for you. Uh, It is the All-Star break, and with the rain out on Sunday and the draft going on late on Sunday night, it just sort of seemed to make a good bit of sense to hold off, uh, give you something to listen to, to hold you over for the Home Run Derby, the All-Star break, and all of that before we begin the second half of this Cubs season. So I think on this episode, we're going to look back at the first half that was, though perhaps not in as great of detail as we might have a couple weeks ago, because uh, I don't think you guys want to relive the 2021 Cubs first half experience necessarily. Uh, and, you know, set things up for the second half. As you guys know, uh, we're not going anywhere. So whatever the Cubs do in whatever direction this season takes, we're going to be here twice a week talking uh, Cubs baseball. So I think setting up a little bit of what we would like to see and, you know, maybe what to expect, though, in the interest of full disclosure, I have no idea what these next couple weeks are going to bring. I think there's a wide range of outcomes here. So uh, kind of a Pat Hughes, a buckle those seatbelts kind of a moment. Uh, maybe it'll be intense, maybe not as intense as we're expecting. I don't know. But uh, the first half finishes, two games with the Cardinals, uh, kind of flipping back and forth the Cubs uh, with uh, a bit of an offensive blowout on Friday. A lot of fun at Wrigley Field, Chris Bryant and, and Patrick Wisdom with some big hits there. And Saturday, the Cardinals uh, doing some work against Zach Davies and the Cubs bullpen to uh, return the favor. So they split those two games, rained out on Sunday, and Brendan, that is uh, all she wrote. It's officially the All-Star break. I've got the TV on in the background. They're, they're doing their workout, getting ready for the home run derby tonight. The first half is over, and and we we made it barely. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, kind of tattered and torn, but uh, here we are. Okay, this uh, this first half sucked. There's no way to put it. Um, we knew going into the first half that there were a large number of possibilities this team could go through. And going into the first and second week of June, we're thinking, wow, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be possibly buying, not selling. We're not imagining Chris Bryant in trade talks and Javi Baez in trade talks and all of this, right? And this is what happens in baseball, unfortunately. I've had some time to think about it, reflect on it, and watching the draft, hearing about some of the trade possibilities, looking ahead to 2022, I'm already there. I'm already thinking about the future. And I've kind of accepted this era as it stands now. is It's, it's over as is, but there is a way to continue a competitive window and be excited about what we can see in the second half of 2021. And looking forward to be being hopefully competitive in 2022, and I do think there's a way. And in a weird way, now that I got you know over this, um, I'm excited to see what happens at the deadline, and excited to see who gets playing time and who gets at bats and starts and options out of the bullpen come September of this season. So there, there is still a lot to look forward to, and if anything, it's going to make us work harder. And I think there's going to be a lot of more possibilities that we didn't even think about, um, and that the Cubs can explore going into the second half. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a bit of a journey in this first half. I, you know, you you guys can go back and listen to the tape. I mean, it's all it's all on record. Uh, I think Brendan and I were 
pretty firmly in the buy camp and, you know, believing in this team. And unfortunately, injuries uh, combined with some poor performances from other players combined with uh, the tougher portion of the schedule just sort of takes us here. And uh, as I've said many times, no matter what you think about uh, a team, if they do get healthy or whatever you might believe of them over the course of 162 games, unfortunately, we find ourselves where that's that's not the runway we're working on. We're working on about a, a couple weeks more of runway before the front office has to make some decisions. And where the team played itself over the last several weeks sort of makes uh, really only one path, the kind of logical and sensible one to take for the, the future of this organization. Um, and just to reiterate the Cubs somehow, I, it's, I, I keep looking at this, and of all the things, Brendan, like this is the one that I, yeah. I, every time I see it, I'm like taken aback that this team is two games under 500. I, I mean, I really legitimately cannot believe that. Uh, it's so fast. Four weeks ago, they were, what, 10 games above 500? Right. Three weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, just insane. impossibly fast. And I'm looking at like, no way, man. Like that's But I'm already over it, Corey. Unbelievable. It's like, I... It's unbelievable. I'm already over it. It's like I had that yeah. week where I'm like, oh my God, how did we get here? But it's over. Yeah. So uh, they find themselves eight back of the Brewers in the division, four back of the Reds, who uh, are only four back of the Brewers, doing that that quick math there. You guys uh, have, Good job with yeah, that. have come to, to yeah. know me for. Very nice. Uh, seven and a half back of the wild card as well. So th- that's sort of what I mean. The, 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 the landscape and the situation just sort of dictates where things are. Now, we'll get into this a little more. I think we'll we'll kind of break things down. When I say that there's only one path forward, that that path has a lot of different, uh, you know, potential meanings and exact definitions. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, that nobody who is a free agent or anything like that is worth keeping or building around in the future. It just means that you can't, in good conscience, send out prospects or anything else to try and improve this team. Because uh, even if you believe that would help, which Brendan and I have discussed over the last couple weeks, you you just find yourself in a very, very difficult position to overcome in terms of even if you were trying to win the division or win a wild card spot, you're you're in a pretty deep hole here. You you'd have to be quite convinced that any moves you'd make would help. The team is two and eight over their last ten games. Um, you know you're still waiting on some of these guys to work back from injuries. So it 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 really only leaves one place for this team to go. Jed Hoyer talked about a lot of this stuff uh, the other day. Before we get into some of that, uh, Brendan, any thoughts on the first couple days here of the MLB draft? We've we've had uh, Greg from the Growing Cubs podcast on a couple times. I would defer to those guys, Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation, etc., uh, Greg over at Ivy Futures. There's multiple Gregs, I believe, in the the Cubs prospect space uh, who who know more than we do. But um, just looking at some of the early names and and rounds, Jordan Wicks, left-handed pitcher from Kansas State, uh, is the Cubs' first round pick. And you know, I, reading around from the people I trust more than this, it seems to be an overall positive view of the Cubs draft. I think the 
Wicks pick in the first round, and then Christian Franklin uh, from Arkansas, a center fielder. Uh, two picks that were getting a lot of buzz from the prospect writers and, and the people that cover the draft on a, on a national perspective and a local perspective, um, just as, you know, very interesting high upside picks and uh, potentially guys who can move quickly through the system. But any anything from you that, that jumped out to you as far as uh, what uh, the Cubs were thinking here? Yeah, you said it, but I do want to give like a ton of credit to all the guys covering the draft, uh, all the prospect guys who have put in so much work. It's like what I'm about to say is basically because of of their work. So like Ivy Futures and Greg Huss and Todd from Cubs Insider and Brian Smith and Jimmy from the Growing Cubs podcast. Like all, all those guys are doing absolutely phenomenal work. So if you're on Cubs Twitter and you're not following them, then you're not doing yourself a, a service. But the first uh, 10 guys have been drafted, and looking at the video of just of the first five guys, and specifically with uh, uh, Wicks, I, I like the strategy that Kantrovitz is, is displaying here. With Wicks, he is a very polished lefty. Apparently, he sits around 92 to 94. There are reports that when the game goes along, his velocity tends to dip a little bit, but he's a young guy, and he is a a college pitcher who's an old sophomore. So it sounds as if he has a really good chance of signing with the Cubs. And I'm sure he's like, it's almost a, an inevitability at this point. But what I like about Wicks is that there's some, like, <laughs> I think AI type analyses where they can compare his mechanics to other guys in the draft. And apparently that he had the most efficient mechanics. And when you look at his pitch selection. He throws two different types of sliders. One's more so described as a curveball. He has a changeup that's his best pitch, rated as a 70 on the 80 scale. So that means scouts believe that in his current draft class or the current crop of players and prospects, his changeup is almost two standard deviations better than your average guy. That's that's a huge compliment to his changeup. So if you're thinking like, hey, you want a polished starting pitcher that has a fast track through the system, Wicks is your guy. He has a fastball. He's got two sliders. He's got a changeup that four pitches. He's a lefty. He's got good mechanics. He's polished. He's got the college experience. He should go fast unless something crazy happens. And a lot of ETAs are 2023. Uh, we'll see what happens once he gets signed and where the Cubs place him. And if he starts in Tennessee next year, and if he does, if he has success, does that mean 2022 is on the table? I don't know. We'll get Greg on at some point and uh, discuss all this. The other guy I really like is uh, James Triantos. And this was a guy that Ivy Futures was really closely covering for a while. And he, he called he called, he called him. He called Triantos. And he's a shortstop, third baseman. His I was looking at some of his YouTube videos over the course of his high school career. He's a high school um, bat. Looks like he changed a lot in his senior year. And he is a, a, he was, at least, a two-way player. He started in his state championship high school game, and he almost threw a perfect game. And he has a hit tool, to me, that looks like off the charts. Um, 94% contact rate. This is high school baseball, so I don't know like how valuable this is or how accurate that is. But 94% contact rate. Visually looking, forget the numbers and all that, visually looking at this kid, I, I love his swing. His swing is so powerful. The plane on his swing looks so level. I, when they drafted him, I was like, wow, he, he went in the second round? So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think the theme of this draft, just looking at the other guys, um, 
these are really athletic players. These are high ceiling guys, maybe some more risk as a result. But given this is the first legitimate draft for Kantrovitz after COVID and he had more time and more resources to prepare prepare for it, you can really tell what the direction they're going in. And they want to acquire as many high ceiling guys, as many talented guys as possible, get them in the system and develop these guys their own way. It's quite a shift from years past, especially when Theo was uh, leading the charge here. We drafted college pitchers left and right and left and right every single round after the first round. And the thinking there was, let's get these guys through the system fast. We don't have to develop them or rely on development necessarily because they're already polished. This is a new line of thinking. And if you're a Cubs fan complaining about this developmental system as you know, Corey and I have uh, expressed displeasure about over the years, this is what you want to see. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy about it, Corey. Yeah, and I, I think it goes to, you know, something that I, I think we've touched on a little bit, but in in that if this if this year is, you know, going to go the way that it's going to go, right, where it, it does not look like the team is going to be making the playoffs or uh, succeeding in that manner, um, and and look, I'll, I'll say this, right? They could trade a bunch of people, and you know, maybe they get they get lucky, right? Like you, you never know, right? So you know, <laughs> who you knows, that? right? Um, just because they choose that path doesn't mean that you guys know what I mean. Anyway, if that's how it's going to go, what you want to see, right, is a continuation of what started with the Darvish trade. And you guys know how Brennan and I felt about that, right? Like, we don't have to relitigate it every time. It was what it was. But you still got talent in that trade, whether it was the right amount or a trade that should have happened is a discussion not for another day. It's a discussion that we had six months ago. Um, But either way, you got a bunch of young talent in that trade. And, And overall, in this incoherent rambling that I'm doing, the point that I'm making is... For whatever this season turns out to be, what you need it to be and would love for it to be is a a year where the system and the pipeline in a lot of different ways via a lot of different mechanisms gets deeper, gets deeper and stronger, not only at the top levels, right, but also at those lower levels so that at the end of the year, even if the 2021 Cubs are not successful in the way that we want them to be, Jed Hoyer, the front office, and all of us paying attention can look and go, hey, this system is in a much better place. There is a lot of talent in these minor league levels for the Chicago Cubs that bodes well for the future. And that's not the ultimate goal that we all are setting out with when the Cubs start a season, right? I think we're all here to watch them win World Series championships, not collect prospects, right? Flags fly forever. But this is this is where we are, right? This is how things have played out. So at the very least, you want this to have been productive. And again, it started with the Darvish trade and guys like Reggie Preciado, who is one of the better prospects in the Cubs system. Now he's very young, very raw, so are a lot of those guys. But you want it to all have been for something and productive. And with some of the trades we might see going forward with the draft and the progression of guys already in the system, you just want to leave this year going, hey, 
you know, this is not, you know, the, the Cubs system has been much maligned over the years. It's been one of the, you know, the bottom 10 systems. It's been an average system. You want to get to a point where you're looking going, hey, like this is one of the better systems in baseball. The Cubs have a lot of talent all throughout these levels, not just for next year, not just for a couple years, but for several years to come in creating that pipeline, right? And I think that's a good place to not transition, but continue talking about this. Um, We've had this, uh, you know, fine gentleman on this podcast before, um, and we've told you all, if you weren't already, not that we were unique in this observation, uh, that you should be excited about one Brennan Davis. And if you weren't before, from listening to us or everybody else gush about just how talented this guy is, uh, he was the MVP of the 2021 All-Star Game MVP, Futures game. Correct, yes. Uh, yep. A lot of talented prospects in that game, Brendan. And Brendan Davis launched two home runs, two, one of, I believe, only two. three players in the history of the Futures game to hit two home runs in the same game. Alfonso Soriano, I believe, was one of the other ones. And Brendan Davis. So Brandon if Davis. if you weren't ready for him, if you weren't all aboard that hype train, uh, you should be now because winning the MVP in a game like that, performing on a stage like that, and getting that recognition is a, a big deal. And it's it's really exciting to see him making those strides. I think he's been on a real tear the last uh, you know several weeks down in the minors. Having a performance like this, you know, you never know what their exact plan for him is or the timeline or things like that. But when you've got a highly touted prospect who you're expecting big things of and you're watching him go out there kind of on a daily basis and do big things, it you know, your mind starts to race a little bit, Brendan. 100%. With, with Davis, I mean, look at that swing, dude. That swing looks so good. And looking at his rookie ball days and when he was drafted, all the work Brennan put in to get to his point, to get that MVP trophy from Ken Griffey Jr. What what a moment for him. 21 years old. Fangraphs just released their top 50 Cubs uh, prospects. So if you haven't had a chance to read that by Eric Longenhagen, you should definitely read that. They posted it on July 7th. And right now, the future value projection from Brennan Davis is really good. It's a 55. It's above above average for your prospects. Of course, it's not going to be like the 65 out of 80 or 70 out of 80. Those are reserved for quite literally like the Chris Bryants and those top, top, top prospects that typically come out of like college or, you know, those super uber uh, international free agent guys. But Davis has been on a tear and he's in Tennessee right now. And when you succeed in Tennessee... The way he's been succeeding lately, the next step really is to just keep doing it and to keep on and adjusting to different pitchers. Uh, when you face double-A pitchers, they tend to have better secondary stuff. And the numbers this year for Brendan Davis, they do reflect at some point some struggles. His strikeout rate is 30% in high A. Um, he had a strikeout rate around 18% with a pretty good walk rate. So is a strikeout rate due to whips or is a strikeout rate due to taking pitches or just unfamiliarity with new sequencing? We, we don't know. He's still a young guy, but he has been adjusting right now in double A's batting 278. He's got four home runs and 126 plate appearances. And his weighted on base average is 387. He has a walk rate of 12%. This is a top prospect. 
an athletic prospect. We have uh, his speed currently, Corey. This is the surprising part about Brennan Davis I didn't know about. Right now, his speed ranks as a 60 out of 80, a standard deviation above the rest of the league. That is, for a big guy, really interesting. And then he has, of course, the game power projection of a 60 out of 80. The raw power currently is at 55. His hit tool projection at uh, 50 out of 80, that's the less league average. That's going to play, man. And to see him do that on a national stage, at this point in the Cubs reload, whatever you want to call it, that's fun to see from us. And it gives maybe some fans, and it gives me like a breath of fresh air, like, ugh, like we're going we're gonna to be okay, I think. So yeah, man, I think with, with Brennan Davis and some of the other guys coming through the system and this new draft and what you might expect from some trade candidates in the next two weeks, the system by some guys, they rank in the 18th, 15th range. By the end of July, we could be a top 10 system. Again, with a lot of money, around $100 million right. to spend for 2022. So there is reasons to be excited and optimistic. And you just got to get through these two weeks, yeah. which, which will be difficult. Yeah. And uh, another name, uh, Manny Rodriguez, right-handed pitcher, yeah, uh, man, also in that it. Futures game, touched, yeah. uh, I believe, 100 on a couple pitches. He's huge. He's a massive human Yeah, man. sitting around 99 with his fastball. Um, J.J. Cooper, one of the uh, you know minor league prospect writers, uh, saying he showed some of the best vertical movement on the fastball uh, yeah. that we saw in that game. And, you know, remember, like, it, it's not necessarily every team's top prospect or anything like that, but the Futures game has a lot of very talented players uh, in it. So to be, you know, to have writers and things like that remarking about your stuff in a game that features a ton of really great stuff is a good thing. So uh, offensively and on the pitching side, a, a really nice day for the Cubs in terms of the Futures game. Then you add some more of that young talent uh, via the draft. You, know, you still have to sign some of those guys and, and deal with things like that. But uh, a good day for the system on Sunday. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, look, Brennan Davis is the truth. We've told you that um, many, many times. He's just such an uber talented player. Um, I, I can't wait for, I, I don't I don't have an ETA on this, but whenever he arrives at Wrigley Field, it's, it's going to be a fun time. Um, so with that, uh, you know, moving on to kind of what to expect over, and again, not what to expect. I can't tell you what to expect. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of each individual player. Um, but I think sort of setting this up, Brendan, like let's, let's just lay out what you and I would like to see, right? As I always say, I'm not on the phone with other general managers. I don't know what the price for, some of these players is. I don't know what their return might be. I don't, I, we don't know those things, right? So it's, it's difficult to sort of throw out what I want for Craig Kimbrell or something like that, right? Because I don't know what the asking price is. I don't know what teams are willing to give up. We've, we've kind of moved away in, in, in the, on the league as a whole from, you know, some of those like massive prospect halls that we've seen in the past that the Cubs were a part of, right, in in, in, in different ways to achieve different ends. Uh, so it, it, it's hard to say. But in terms of, you know, now I think we've got to make a decision, right, Brendan? And it's easier to talk about this now when we don't really have games to discuss and we're in the All-Star break. So I... I thought the quote from Jed last week was was rather interesting. 
um, where, you know, I'll, I'll just read the, the full uh, quote on using the phrase rebuild, right? He says, we're in a different situation now than we were in 2012. The decisions we're making, the processes we're going through are completely different. That label, a rebuild, is certainly something to be avoided. We are going to have roster turnover. That was inevitable. This is certainly not a rebuild by any kind of definition that we'd be using from our past. Now, when we've discussed this stuff before, I've sort of cautioned you all to be wary when you read these words, rebuild, retool, restructure, things like that, because they have completely different meanings to whoever's using them, right? There's no standard definition for what a rebuild actually is or what a retool actually is. These are just words that coaches, GMs, writers use to describe things, but there's no set definition on what that means, right? But I did think this was interesting, Brendan, because, again, we aren't exactly sure what they're going to do. I always say when we talk about this stuff that the biggest question that would help us understand all of this is how much money does the Ricketts family plan on spending on the baseball operations budget? Is it going to get back up over the luxury tax, you know, in that top five in baseball? Is it going to sit around where it is now, you know, in that whatever, like 150, 160, 170 kind of range? Is it going to dip below that, right? If you listen to the most pessimistic amongst Cubs fans, they they think it's going to go well below that, right? And things like that. So we don't know the answer to that, but I, I did think that Jed's comments on this were were pretty interesting um, because it doesn't seem like the type of thing that you would say if you were going to take two to three years to build up to competitiveness again because that's what they did the first time, right? Is you know, three or four years of losing and drafting and building up ultimately to get to 2015 and 2016 where you were really cutting things loose, right? As always, you don't have to take anything that the president or the GM or anybody with the organization says with any form of, you know, gospel or truth. They can say whatever they want to the media and go, oh, things changed, right? But it's an interesting thing to say, and it's it's sort of a line that they've repeated uh, since the Darvish trade that, you know, there's going to be turnover, we need to change some things here, but we're not entering a full-scale rebuild. We're not tearing things down, I think is something that Tom Ricketts said uh, in one of these off-seasons. So, you know, look, at this point, Brendan, like, I don't really believe a word that Tom says, uh, but I you know, this is an interesting sort of preface to this process that Hoyer would sort of introduce things this way. Yeah. When we look at the budget for 2022, when Hoyer said this is not going to be a rebuild by any definition, the definition that he's likely referencing, and he said it in that same answer, was the early 2010 style rebuild, where it's a four or five-year process. You're basically starting from absolutely nothing, building a farm system. Of course, you're not going to be doing that. But in this day and age, is it then one year? Is it two years? Is it three years? Like what? Like what then will they be doing? And that's just to be determined. I don't really think the front office knows either. Remember, Jed does not have a GM right now. We don't know if Cantrovis is going to be promoted. We don't know if there's going to be someone from outside the organization coming in. I'm not, Brendan, I'm not saying 
it's it's me, but I'm not saying it's not me either. <laughs> that being said, you don't know, right? You don't know really what's going to happen. We saw the the outlook for this season drastically change in three weeks. So we'll see what happens. But but right now, where we are for 2022, before arbitration, we have. 58 million guaranteed when you factor in the player benefits against the luxury tax for 2022. Now you factor in Wilson Contreras' arbitration of 10 million, Ian Happ's arbitration of 15 million. That, of course, goes up to around $75 million. And the luxury tax this year for 2021 is set at 210 million. Next year, you have to imagine it's around 210 to 215 in that same ballpark range. So there's two lines of thinking. Maybe the Cubs want to stay below the luxury tax. And if they do, then they can maybe match what their current projection is for this year at 175. That means they have $100 million to spend in free agency for 2022. And if they want to go even a little bit higher around that 210 marker, then you add around $40 million to that. Then you maybe have $120, $130, $140 million of flexibility for 2022. The free agent market is loaded with interesting pitchers. You have Noah Syndergaard on the market. You have Marcus Stroman on the market, Kevin Gossman on the market. You could get some legitimate guys. And then the shortstop market, in addition to Javi, Carlos Correa, uh, Trevor Story, Javi Baez is part of that, Corey Seager. There are ways that you might be able to compete. Now, what they do once free agency starts is to be determined, is dependent on what the rotation looks like as the season goes along. How does Keegan Thompson look and Justin Steele and Alec Mills? Will Braylon Marquez recover from a shoulder injury? Is uh, Miguel Amaya's form that serious where maybe he can't play? And how does Brennan Davis develop as the year goes along? So you can see all the uncertainties. So in this current moment of time, I see what Judd is saying, but just because he's saying that, Corey, and I get that's probably more transparent than he's been, there are a lot of different possibilities sure. at, at this point. And so is it one year, two years, three years? I, I don't think anyone knows. Right. Look, he, here's here's the blanket of what I, I can say I would like to see from them, right? And this is coming from someone who has been, you know, like a lot of you guys, a lifelong fan of this team, uh, a season ticket holder for now. If, you know, Crane, if you're listening, like y'all are really pushing it. Um, So lower those prices or spend on the baseball team or, you know, uh, anyway. (laughs) I, what I would like to see them do without getting into the specific hypotheticals of any of these trades, you've got a ton of guys on expiring contracts and and not just the, the big three, right? You even guys in, in a pitching depressed league and market, Guys like Zach Davies should have some value to someone, right? As depth, uh, yeah. all these guys. Maybe in the bullpen, even San Diego. You right now, if you're Jed Hoyer, might have literally the two most valuable bullpen assets in baseball in Craig Kimbrell and Andrew Chafin. Ryan Tapera working his way back should be valuable as well. Um, uh, Jock Peterson, guys like that should have value to teams looking to add. So not even just the value in those big three, um, but you have a ton of value, ton of money coming off the books. So what I would like to see them do is however they go about it is prioritize near or MLB ready prospect talent that you can look to get into your lineup or on your roster, whatever, as early as 2022 coming out of spring training or at least sometime in 2022, 2023 by the latest, 
right? But prioritizing those near-ready guys. In the U Darvish trade, they did the opposite, right? And yeah. they were only talking to the Padres when we looked back on the context of that deal. There was it's, basically it's an extreme context, yeah. One team, they were mandated to cut the salary, and their their choice was maybe, you know, a certain number of younger players or maybe one we we don't know but it that seemed to be the best package that they could get whether it was good it, it was you know overall it was a bad trade we all know this but that was the context of it they prioritized young raw toolsy players that have a, a lot of potential talent but that are far away right at this deadline i would like to see the opposite approach right you've just you know you've got a new class of guys coming in you've had a chance to see how some of these guys have uh played professionally which you didn't have the chance to last year with the lack of a minor league system and only having that alternate site etc right so at this deadline i would like to see them improve those upper levels of the system get guys who you yeah. can project to be a part of this team soon sooner rather than later and then like you said Brennan you go into this offseason hopefully you've added some guys who you're hoping break camp with the team and earn a starting spot or even you know just a, a depth spot whatever it is and you add to that in free agency and the 2022 team does not necessarily need to feel like the 2016 Cubs right I don't think that there's a chance that that happens but they don't have to be bad they can be competitive, especially with where the NL Central is and stands to be. If this were me, my my hope for this situation is that, yes, like Jed said, there's a lot of roster turnover. We've tried with this group several times, seen some of the same problems, some of the same failings, shortcomings, etc., There were definitely years where more money spent to improve those margins would have helped those flaws and, and those shortcomings, but they didn't do that, and they're not going to do it right now. So change is necessary, but I don't think yeah. that this should be a long process to get back to where we want this team to be, and I think it's it's a, it's an embarrassment if it is, right? Like, this team has too much money, they're in too big of a market, and they they just have the resources to not drag this on for very long, especially if Jed nails whatever moves he makes. Um, as far as the guys from this group, Brennan, I, I I have strong feelings about all three of these guys, Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant. They're all unique situations. I would talk to each of them and see where they're at. Jed said he was going to do that, that he was going to check in with them, see what they're thinking, see what they're, they're feeling ahead of the deadline, let them know, you know, what's going on with some of these talks, etc., the one thing that I can say with the utmost conviction, Brendan, is that the Chicago Cubs should extend Chris Bryant and keep him in their plans as they go forward. If he and Scott Boris want some insane deal and it's just not going to happen, then okay. You can move him and that is what it is. But after everything we've seen and just just thinking about this, right? You have so much money coming off the books. You don't need this to be a long process. And keeping someone like Chris Bryant, who now, right, can play any number of positions. You don't even have to project him as your third baseman of the future. 
it, it makes that transition quicker. And he's one of the best players that has ever worn the uniform. You drafted him. He became everything you wanted him to be. He's a model citizen. That that is the yeah. that is where I land ahead of this trade deadline. They they should keep Chris Bryant, and he should be in these plans going forward. Well, here's what I'm thinking as you're talking about trying to get back. Uh, close to major league ready prospects and hoping they resign Chris Bryant. That's a lot of what ifs. That's a lot of that's a lot of things that need to go the Cubs away to compete in 2022. And of course, that's my ideal outcome. Chris Bryant coming back, getting close to major league ready prospects for some of these guys like you know Kimbrell and Davies, and we'll see what buys this market is. Like, of course, that's our I- ideal plan. Now, if you're thinking like Jed. I'm I'm wondering if he's looking at the situation and he's doing the math and he's thinking, wow, this is a lot of dominoes that need to fall in order for us to be competitive in 2022. Do I want to risk not getting back the total talent package and sacrifice some of that for immediate returns? Or because I'm looking at 2022 and I can't reliably project the competitiveness for that season instead do i just want to go and get those younger guys as i did for the darvish trade and just stack up on talent that i think is going to be the question and i don't know currently what the answer is i look at 2022 and they need a chris bryant i don't i mean of course like bringing back chris bryant would be awesome whatever his price tag is I assume it's not going to be above 225. I, I I really don't know at this point. But for them to be competitive, it's 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 necessary that they have a Chris Bryant figure on this team, and that's the bare minimum. Then they got to go out and supplement that rotation. Then they got to rebuild this bullpen. <laughs> so it's a lot of it's a lot of what ifs. I don't know what the direction they're going to go. Uh, the draft, I don't think it had any type of. Uh, insight of what direction they could go just because it appeared as if if they just went brute talent regardless of college or high school uh, status. I I don't think that's going to be telling whatsoever, but this is going to be an unpredictable trade market, man, and it's unfortunate that we don't know what we have for the rotation next year. It's uh, at this point in the trade deadline, like my thinking is, oh, I wish we knew more about Keegan Thompson. I wish we knew more about Justin Steele to at least try to understand what we could get for 2022. Because the way I see it right now, I don't know what I want back. All I know is I want to be competitive for 2022. But the way I'm thinking, that's a lot of that's a lot of players that need to be acquired for that to happen. I don't know if that's realistic right now. I've, I hope it is, but I, I truly don't know, Corey. Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, when I when I say competitive for 2022, I, I just mean, you know, not looking at that as, oh, this team's going to lose 100 games or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just think this process ought to be quicker. I mean, do you mean like competitive for a division? Like, what do you mean by competitive? Just yeah, like I mean, like kind of how we looked what? at this year where it's like, you know, you know right. that the team is flawed, but instead of like this year where you're expecting things to be heading to... Uh, you know, a conclusion next year is sort of a like, yeah, I don't expect big things from this team, but they should, you know, be interesting and they're building towards something, right? Rather than 2022 being the beginning of a multi-year like, okay, this is going to be a slow process, right? So that's just how I feel. I I think, you know, especially for the big three guys, um, you know, 
the the issue too is going to be what what is out there, right? Like you know, for someone like Baez, um, you know, again, I, I think Jed will circle back with these guys, see where they're at, what they're looking for. I mean, if they're still on the team, right? No, no, no. no I'm saying <laughs> at, at this deadline, that. like he'll circle okay. back yeah, with yeah, them yeah, yeah. Okay. and sure, sure. you know check yeah. in on what they're thinking in terms of contracts and if they're prepared to be traded, things like that, or, or whatever. Okay. But you know, it's also one of those things where, like, I don't know what the value to a lot of other teams is going to be for someone like Javi or for someone like Rizzo. And if if the return isn't good, I think you're better off, you know, holding off on, on doing that, you know, doing the qualifying offer, thinking if you want to keep some of them for the future, depending on what exactly your timeline is and, and your plans. But but it, I, I guess my point is is that for some of these guys, trading them just to trade them is not a good process, right? And you, you shouldn't just be taking bad offers if, if that's what they're at. And, you know, it, it with Javi in particular, his value fluctuates like on a daily basis, right? Um, but, you know, right now, like, like, you know, Rizzo's coming off an injury and he's not having his best season. Like, I, I don't know what Jed feels about the offer that was made in the, like, look, if it, if it, it you guys know this, like, if it's up to me, Rizzo never plays a game for another team, but I, the, yeah. we're working in the reality of the reality, which I don't control, right? <laughs> so, it, you know, does Jed look at that, uh, what was it, five for 70, Brendan? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Does Jed look at that now and go, yeah, I wouldn't do that anymore? Uh, or this, maybe Rizzo's like, I would do that, right? Well, and, that, and so that that's sort of what I'm saying. But, but my point in all of that is that rushing in these next couple weeks to just get whatever, it, that's not a, a great process. I think you're better off if the offers aren't good from some of these other teams hold on to some of these guys, think about working out a cheaper extension. And if that doesn't happen, then you do the qualifying offer, you get the comp pick and, you know, you move on. But can I ask you a question, Corey? Let me ask you a question. So uh, with that in mind, I was thinking about this a lot the last few days. It's my opinion, given what we've seen with Scott Boris and his history and just the last three years with KB and trade negotiations. I'm wondering if it is... An inevitability, he hits the free agent market, which it sounds as if it is. And if that's the case, trading Chris Bryant might make more sense for 2022. And then you circle back in the offseason and realistically negotiate a contract, even with the competition from other teams in the market. For Rizzo, I think it makes more sense to use August and September as negotiation time. I feel as if yeah. it's going to be a more easy or easier for Rizzo to sign an extension with his uh, representation. And given the extra 10 weeks in a Cubs uniform, exclusive negotiations, it makes sense you keep Rizzo solely to negotiate with him for two more months. For KB and even Baez, Baez has been rumored to wanting to see free agency, although the situation has changed a lot. It sounds as if they're going to explore it no matter what. So you can circle back before the trade deadline, right. but it's not 
you trade these guys, it doesn't mean you can't get them back, right? Well, and I'm wondering, yeah. it, I know, but you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. though, especially with Scott Boris. So it's the, like, the, I, yeah. I, again, like I get it. Like the thing for me, and, I, and I've tried to articulate this before, I don't know if I did a great job of it, but like, especially on Bryant's front, right? Like he's just the type of guy, depending on what he's looking for, of course, right? Like everybody's got a, you know, Jed is working with some budget, right? So he's got to keep things reasonable. Um, I, I just think Bryant is that guy who, whatever your timeline is and exactly how you view things, you can build a team in the future that has Chris Bryant a part of it, but that doesn't necessarily rely on him being the absolute best player or the sort of pillar of success as we've seen him be for the prior World Series that the Cubs won in 2016, of course. It's like a Jason Hayward type contract, right? You signed Jay Hay to supplement the, the next wave that of players. That is really kind of... disrespectful to Chris Bryant, and I'm not. Oh, the contract, it. Corey, the contract. Don't put that. Just, don't you, don't just, expose me to yeah, that. Yeah, but still, I don't even like the. I don't like the comparison at all. It's the it's the cons. It's the process. You're, you talk about process all the time. Don't don't put those words in my mouth. I, I'm just clarifying. But you you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that I, I get what you're saying about, you know, because it's a Boris thing and all that. But but from everything we know, Chris wants to stay here. And I, I just see him as one of those players where I, unless you are, if you're planning on, on, on as Jed said, he wasn't doing, uh, like a three-year rebuild or something like that, where you're just trying to lose games or you're just not spending any money, things like that, then yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to keep any of these guys, frankly. But, but do you, so you keep Chris Bryant only to negotiate with him in August or September? Is that like, is that what you're trying to say? No, I, I'm saying I, I would, I would be trying to extend him tomorrow if he were open to it, because I just, I, I think that whether you're intending on being uber competitive, pushing all the chips in in 2022, which I don't expect, even if we're talking 2020, 23 and 2024 and beyond. Chris Bryant is a really, really good baseball player. He plays a lot of positions. He does not have to be the the number one player on the team. He's a great player to have and build around however you want, whether it's with Absolutely. your younger guys like Brennan Davis or different guys in free agency. Chris doesn't have to be the the pinnacle of the team, but but he's a player who's a great player to have as you go forward and even as he ages to just be a part of these teams because he's a great baseball player. Yeah, what I'm what I'm what I'm saying what I'm saying though is like like Corey, what would you from like a probability standpoint, like 10% chance he extends with the Cubs this season before free agency, like maybe that's even well, too right. high. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, unf- unfortunately, that's the reality. Um Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. So, for Rizzo, I I know he wanted to focus on this season and then come back after the season ended to revisit this. I wonder if he's thinking, okay, the season's kind of over now. Now let's open up those those extension talks again. And I think that's more realistic for Rizzo because he's not having that great of a year and maybe he's more willing mentally to revisit that. I, I, I wonder if it's in Chris Bryant's mindset and Scott Boris's mindset that even if he stays with the Cubs after the trade deadline in August and September, that there's still 0% chance he makes a deal before seeing what free agency yeah. has to offer. No. And if that's the case, and I think you kind of you kind of have to trade him, right. and I hate saying that, then revisit, revisit it back in November and December and, it, and then have him come back to the Cubs. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I know I, it sucks. Ultimately, I, I hate it. my my conclusion is I would open open the pocketbook and and do what needed to be done to keep him. That that's where I've landed. Yeah. And you kind of feel out the other two situations for you know what they are, and and as we move forward here, that that's just what I would be doing, and would like to see them do. My 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 ultimate position though is that whatever they're doing should be geared toward turning this thing around quickly, right? Again, I have no expectation that this team, you know, heading into the 2022 season is going to be viewed as a top five team in the league and a prohibitive World Series favorite or anything like that. I I don't believe that's going to be the case. Uh, To be frank with you, I'm not even sure how Jed would pull that off, right? But this should not be a long process. This team should never be in a position again where they're not spending money and where they're not putting a a solid enough team on the field and they have so many assets that are valuable at this moment for the trade deadline they've got you know they continue to add to their young uh, talent pipeline and stockpile. They should be doing more in the next couple weeks, and that should all be used to turn this around quickly. And again, whatever Jed says to the media doesn't necessarily have to hold true, but that's that's what I want to see. This shouldn't be a rebuild. It should be a retool and a roster change, some turnover. That that's what it should be, and that does not need to take years right? If things are done correctly and using the resources of one of the biggest markets and biggest, you know, organizations in sports. And and that's just how it should be. So I want to see whatever they're doing at the deadline. I want to see it geared toward getting this thing back on track as quickly as possible, not some long drawn out, we're not ready to spend money for a few years kind of thing, because that's BS. And if that's what happens, we should all be really mad. Um, so we'll, just see where it goes. Now, the other question, again, like some of that stuff is hard because we don't know the value of guys. We don't know what's being offered in return for some of these guys. If you told me right now that, you know, I don't know, the the Mets or someone, you know, whoever, right, is offering the, the biggest prospect call, it's crazy, right? for one of the, you know, for Chris Bryant, like, yeah, okay, fine. Like that, you know, that would inform my, you know, if you're telling me it's a kind of middling pool, some questionable guys, stuff like that, that would help, right? But I don't have that information. So we're kind of going off what we have. What we can say, though, is in this second half, and we talked about some of this stuff before, but Brendan, like going into this second half, what are some things that you want to see this team doing, again, with that same sort of goal in mind of how do we turn this thing around as quickly as possible? What answers do we need in this 2021 season for the 2022 season? Who do we want to see? Who do we need to have a, a sort of conclusion on by the end of this year in terms of, okay, here's this guy's place on the 2022 Cubs? Or, by contrast, I don't think this guy should be in the plans for the 2022 Cubs. What do we want to see this team do? What should be the priority if they're not going to win this division, right? And they're going to trade some guys, things like that. They're likely going to get worse on the MLB roster. What are the priorities for this second half? The priority has to be what do you have from this pitching staff? And now, assuming Chafin is gone, and Tapera is gone, and Kimbrell is gone. 
What do you have from this current crop that could fill in for the bullpen next season, right? So the way I hope the rotation shakes out at some point, and I doubt it happens on a consistent basis just to protect innings, but it'd be great to see Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, Adbert Azulay, all get chances in the rotation in some consistent fashion. I need, personally, mentally, I need to know what does Thompson look like as a starter? Does he need to develop another secondary pitch? And the same can be said about Justin Steele. Does he need to develop another secondary pitch? For Alzelay, it might be at his current developmental stage that he does need to develop another pitch to throw against lefties. And we've, we've seen the struggles, the relative struggles against lefties with 13 homers against left-handed batters. He might need to work on that changeup as his second half goes along. So those are three candidates, at least for the starting rotation. For the bullpen, we're going to need to see, hopefully, like Brad Week, like stay healthy, get some more opportunities. We can go back down in AAA and, you know, ask the question, what does Cole Stewart look like in more of a starting or swingman type role? Will Alec Mills, who's currently on the major league roster, is he going to get more chances in the rotation or do they envision him as a swing guy, maybe like Cole Stewart might be? Um, Dakota Mekis, we've heard a lot about Dakota Mekis over the years. Does he get a chance to work as a potential bullpen arm for 2022? There's a lot of unknowns, right? And Corey Abbott, how does he look once he inevitably gets more of a chance when these guys are gone? So going into the offseason and looking ahead for how you can bolster this bullpen and rotation, you need to know with some sense of reliability what you have with these guys. And I think for the next, you know, 80 games, 80-ish games, where we are right now, this is a good opportunity to see what you have for all of all of them. From the positional standpoint, I, I don't know yet. We got to see what happens at the trade deadline. It's inevitable that Kimbrell's gone. I think Davies, there's a good chance he's gone as well. So you kind of know that the, the rotation of bullpen is going to be made over a lot for the positional group. You know, you assume that one of Chris Bryant and Avi Baez and Rizzo could be are, are traded, but you, do, you don't know. And that's going to inform what I think we all hope to see. And it's not as if we have, like, guys waiting um, in AAA to take on that role that can be a consistent part of that future. There's some interesting candidates, but nothing that kind of screams immediate six-plus-year team control value. Uh, what that means then for Jake Marisnik, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe Marisnik is off in a deal. What that means for Jock Peterson as well, I'm not sure. He was promised an everyday role. Does he does he keep that role in August and September in a non-competitive Cubs team? I'm not. I'm really not sure. So I feel as if for the pitching point of view, I have more certainty of what I want to see. But for the lineup, I, I honestly don't know yet. Um, and yeah. it depends on what we get back from any type of trades, sure. which could be a lot. And we might see guys come back in those trades that you like, Corey, that could be getting opportunities right. as soon as August and September. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've kind of laid this out before. I think Brendan touched on a lot of the names uh, that I would have brought up. Um, you know, I've mentioned guys like Hermosillo and Rivas uh, down from the minor leagues who have been hitting the ball well, and maybe you'd like to give them a chance, see if you, you've got something there. But I, I think that that's really the key is you need like, a, a, and it shouldn't have been the case anyway, but like you can't give Arietta more starts, right? You got to give those starts to guys like Alec Mills, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele had a really nice uh, start over the weekend, kind of beginning his process of getting uh, more stretched out and, and seeing what he has as a starter, had a really nice start 
this weekend. You got to give those innings to those guys because you need to be looking at, you know, the majority of your starts being Alzali, Thompson, Steele, I would say Mills, and, you know, anybody else that they feel like giving an audition to or a tryout to, uh, to inform your offseason and say, okay, you know, we're going to have Kyle Hendricks, we're going to have Albert Alzali, and, you know, if you get, what, one? of those guys to yeah. look really nice and, and really confident. If you get two, it'd be phenomenal, right? And even well, if those other guys look like depth <laughs> or you do come to the conclusion like, hey, we tried stretching, uh, you know, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson out, we like them more as relief guys. You know, Justin Steele was great in relief. Keegan Thompson has been really good in relief. Maybe we like them more there. Figure those things out right? Don't leave those questions for the offseason or for spring training. Figure it out now, right? You've got all this time. You've got all these major league innings that somebody needs to be pitching. Figure these things out now because if you go into the offseason saying, hey, you know, we really like one of these guys as, as one of our starters. We really like two of these guys as one of our starters. Well, then guess what? You don't need to spend any money on a, on a starter, right? Or you're looking at it going, okay, we have a really solid rotation. If we go out and add a number one, number two starter, this rotation looks really strong, right? But you have the ability to figure that out now. So figure it out, right? Don't waste time with veterans who aren't going to be on the team. You know, you, you got to keep these guys healthy and stuff like that. So you may mix and match sometimes, but figure that stuff out now. Use these innings. They're valuable innings. You, you've got some capital there. Like, uh, use them and make sure you're using them. Uh, you you know, we some of the hitting stuff, we're going to have to see what happens. Um, obviously, you know, Nico being in there at second base every day, letting him get those opportunities. <laughs> I'd like to see him hitting further up in the lineup. Um, kind of get him a look at, at a position he may be in in the future, um, get more comfortable there, things like that. Again, start veering toward the future. Like Nico Horner, you maybe aren't viewing him as the eight hitter or wherever he's been in a lot of these lineups as you go forward into the future. So get him in where you envision him going forward here and let him start getting those at-bats and, and working in those different spots. Um and then just, you know, again, figuring some of these things out. And I think uh, the the one that really jumps out is Ian Happ. Um, we've, we've talked about him a lot. We've, we've talked about his struggles a lot. Um, I, I think at the moment, Brendan, the thing that's jumped out to me over the last couple weeks really is that he, he's not starting all the time. Um, I, it's, it's been a weird couple weeks, right, where like, you know, David Ross is although sometimes it doesn't necessarily seem it, uh, trying to win games and, you know, putting out that lineup based on who's hitting well or who's playing well, things like that. And Hap just hasn't been a part of it very much. He's pinch hit a lot over the last, you know, week or two um, and just has not been in that position to start every day. So I don't know if the right decision for him is to use one of those options to send him back down so that he can start every day and work through some of these things. Um, you know, some of his stats and, and his numbers are pretty similar to where they've been in the past. Uh, ground ball rate is up just a little bit. I think you told me it was 5%, Brendan. But overall, you know, you just have a guy who's hitting 183 through uh, 269 plate appearances, nine home runs, um, a... 
296 on base percentage, 330 slugging, 284 weighted on base average, and a 78 WRC plus. Uh, and this is a guy who his whole career had been, you know, around an 800 OPS guy and has never had a season, even though some of them were uh, shorter and, you know, only... Uh, you know, 50 games in 58 games in 2019, 57 in 2020 in that shortened season. He's never had a WRC plus below 100 in any season he's played at the MLB level. Uh, and now he's having one that's well below it. He's currently rated as a below replacement level player, um, 0, 0.1 negative uh, wins above replacement. So if he's not, if, if those are the numbers he's putting up and he's not playing every day, to me, the, the the sort of natural conclusion is you you've got to send him down so that he can play every day, so that he can work and make adjustments. Which you've seen him do before. You know, you know he's a guy that's willing to do that and and has the the head to kind of put the work in and make those adjustments. Or like you've kind of given up on him, right? Like he's not playing, so he, he's not going to work out of this stuff if he's not playing every day. And so it just sort of goes to me in when you've got this time in this second half, you've got to figure out what do you think of this guy? Is this a starter on your team in the future in the outfield? Is this a depth player, a bench player, a sort of guy that comes in and out and and uses that positional versatility, things like that? Or is this just not someone you envision being the player that I guess you once thought? But I think that's a really good example of, you know, someone like that you want to kind of get a firm grasp on what you're doing there. Because at the moment, he seems to be in this kind of weird, like, purgatory where he's 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 struggling, but he's not really playing very much. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure what the the feeling is on, on Ian Happ. But uh, for a guy that's 26 years old and, you know, certainly uh, isn't uh, breaking the bank in terms of what he's he's costing you, you got to figure out what you're doing there. And so that he's, he's kind of one that I would have a particular focus on whatever, wherever level he ends up uh, in this second half, got to kind of figure out what the future of Ian Happ is because he's one of the, you know, younger guys on your roster and you need to kind of know if he's a significant part of your plans or not. Ian Happ's performance this year has been, uh, for me, probably the most disappointing. I think I would agree. Yeah. 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 I think so. Um, it sucks, dude. I I mean, his numbers are so bad, right? And it's so disappointing given what he looked like when he started the COVID season. I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. His expected numbers across the board are just awful. I mean, his whiff rates in the bottom third percentile, his expected weighted on base averages in the bottom 20th percentile, uh, expected batting average, bottom third. Per- I mean, he's just not. He's not hitting like a major league baseball player. And you do have two, this is the tricky part. You have two months to figure this stuff out, right? And if you want to compete in 2022, even if you want to pay Hap, like Hap is making 4.1 million this year. He's going to be due for maybe around 4.55 million in arbitration. Maybe, I don't know how it's going to work, maybe more, right? So the question might be asked realistically, do you non-tender Ian Hap and try to re-sign him in a lower type deal? Or just let him go. So you have August, you have September to either send him down or let him play through this. And even if you do send him down, you got to call him up at some point to see if the adjustments he makes, even if they're not like complete adjustments, 
if they're going to work. you got to figure out what you have for Ian Happ before this offseason starts because that is going to be an, an, a really tricky situation. And, man, I, it just sucks. Like, if he, if he were projectable for next season, it changes my attitude, my thinking. It changes the, the dynamic of this entire team. It sucks, dude. That's, that's, that's what I yeah, have. Yeah, and I, I, don't mean, know what I to think do there's, there's such a far cry, too, from, you know, obviously he, we, we talk about a lot. He was uh, one of the guys talked about, you know, as a potential MVP candidate after that first month or so of the 2020 season, which, you know, is, is a small sample. But still, for a guy that was, you know, who was as young as Hap to be performing like that, it, it felt like the breakout, right? And you're like, okay, he's putting everything together. We've seen the power. We've seen some speed, uh, his ability to take walks, things like that. And you're kind of seeing it all coming together. There, there's a far cry from that and where we're at now. And that was the rest of the, the middle ground was sort of where his career was to that point. Like an outfielder that can play uh, you know, he's he's not great defensively. Uh, it's very raw in terms of a lot of that, the routes he takes, things like that. But a guy that had a career OPS of 800 that you can put in the outfield that's young for a, a few million dollars, like that's very different than what we're looking at right now, right? Right now we're looking at a guy that is massively struggling that doesn't even appear to have the confidence of his manager in terms of getting him out there every day uh, that he's going to turn it around. So it's, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's it's definitely one of the most disappointing things that's happened this season because I think even if you assumed, right, without knowing what was going to happen, if you just assumed that the big three were going to be gone one way or the other, they're not coming back you still could look at 2022 and say, okay, like we've got Wilson Contreras. You're going to have Nico who's, who's doing well, and he's going to be your everyday second baseman. Okay. We've got Hap who, you know, like I said, even if he's at his, where he was for the rest of his career coming into this year, an 800 OPS guy. Okay. Like you've got some building blocks, right? It's, it's certainly not elite and you need to build around it, but like, okay, that's a solid place to start. Like now, I mean, we're having a totally different conversation about Ian Hat, man. The more I think about it, even, you know, hearing, you know, the thought of going AAA, maybe that seems to be the most sense, right? Um, I don't, see how working with Anthony Iaposi at this point uh, is, is 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 going to do him better than working with AAA and trying more things out and having like there's a lot there's a lot of pressure to make adjustments as a big leaguer even if you're told we're going to be patient with you there's a lot of pressure and so if you go to AAA you might be more willing to try new things and more be more willing to fail on a day-to-day basis because you're not in that spotlight, you're not trying to. Uh, I mean, it's hard to find the words for this, but like trying to compete and and get those wins, even if the season's out of line for a playoff spot. So I, I'm almost trending to wanting Hap to get that type of adjustment opportunity in AAA, as sucky as that is, and it's unfortunate. But the Cubs need to figure out what they have in him going into the offseason and right now the likely scenario is that they don't know what they have and because of that you may not be able to tender him a contract you may not be able to slot him in even if you do tender him a deal as your starting center fielder or whatever role you have and even Washington happens here separately from his offense man like defensively he just does not look 
there. No. I don't see like he seems destined for a corner outfield spot. Well, I mean, you know, you can kind of look at it this way. I mean, if the team if the team were in the thick of this division, I I would I wouldn't want to see him out there ever. I would be Marisnik every day, right? For me, you know what I mean. Um, I mean, he's been with the team for five years, Corey. Like we've seen Ian Happ for a long. It doesn't seem that long because I feel as if it gets kind of skewed because Chris Bryant and all those guys came up before him. But he's been on this team for this is his fifth season with the Cubs, man, and like that's a lot of time (laughs) to get opportunities. And defensively, it's only going to get worse. You saw what Jason Hayward is going through as a thirty-year-old, right? And you know, Haps going to be twenty-seven years old. you don't get better defensively, at least relatively speaking to where he's currently at. I doubt he gets much better defensively. And from my perspective, like I've learned throughout this entire process over the last two to three years, I need I need better defenders. When Mirznik is out there, I'm so comfortable. Like it's it's night and day compared to when Hap's out there. Right. Uh, and seeing how Hayward struggled compared to what I've been used to watching for like four or five years, seeing Hayward unable to get the balls behind him and not having that trademark like diving catch in front of uh, in front of him, like it sucks to see. So I I want to see more predictable defense, and at least right now, I'm pretty certain Hap's not going to get that. For yeah, you. and you know, look. So I, again, like I think the ultimate conclusion is that whatever happens. In these next couple of weeks with the deadline, um, you got to use this time productively. There's no reason not to, and you you never know like the stuff. You know, we're all we're all enjoying the season from Patrick Wisdom, and you know that doesn't happen if they don't give him the opportunity. And you know, it was brought about by injuries, of course, and uh, things like that. And you know, that's uh, you know, of course, not exactly how you want opportunities to come about, but. You, you don't you don't find a guy who's got a 150 WRC plus right and who's hit 12 homers for you if you don't give him the opportunity and you don't keep running him out there once he's got the hot hand which is what David Ross did yeah. and you know again like you know wisdom's a, a type of guy where it's like okay like now like you've you've got something here you don't have to believe he's gonna put up uh, a 390 woba like on a yearly basis right like I don't think anybody's suggesting that but you give people playing time and occasionally you find somebody that can factor into things going forward uh you know and can be a part of your future plans on some level and that's what the Cubs need to do uh I think on all sides of the ball in in this second half is give some guys some opportunities and and really geared toward figuring out what you have in other guys right some guys getting a it may it may be a first opportunity and just seeing if you can kind of like catch lightning in a bottle there and other guys it's you know not necessarily a last chance or whatever but it, it's more of a like look we've kind of got to pick a direction here on what we're doing here with you and you got to use this time productively so I think that's uh I think that's what we got um you know, per usual, like I, I, with, with some of these trades and things like that, like I, I wish that, uh, you know, we had some more 
insight. Like I, I wish I could be on the phone with Jed Hoyer or be on the phone with uh, you know some of the general managers who are offering things for the Cubs players and stuff like that because it you know it certainly informs a lot of this. And like with anything else, I wish that I knew how much money Tom Ricketts was planning on spending as we go forward here because that would inform things as well. But uh, I think all we can do is uh, you know kind of get ready for it. We kind of know you know over the last few years this stuff has been rumored. It's been talked about a lot and sort of been hinted at. It, it, this is when it's really going to happen, right? We've we've reached the end of that runway. There, there's no more sort of like procrastinating this and, and putting it off and um, stuff like that. So, you know, just prepare yourself. It's it's probably going to have some uh, some emotional days in it the next couple weeks, uh, for better or worse. And, you know, all we can really do is be prepared for it and, and hope that uh, anything that Jed is doing is going to benefit this team in the long run. I think you know where we're at right now is not a position that any of us want to be in uh, or feel like the Cubs necessarily should be in with some of you know how things have gone over the last few years, but it's where they are. So all we can do is is try to get through it. We'll get through it together. We'll talk about it all uh, together and hope that, you know, as we go through it, it puts the Cubs in a better place so that we are uh, back at Wrigley Field in the future, going to playoff games and uh, trying to win another World Series uh, like they did in 2016. So I think that is what we have for you. Uh, of course, Brendan and I will be back uh, with you this weekend to, uh, as we always do, break down a Cubs series. It'll be that way for the rest of the year, whether uh, they, you know, whether they gut this roster like a fish. Uh, or not, uh, we will be here breaking it all down twice a week. So as always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you soon. Uh, of course, you know, the, the usual sort of like off-season caveat, I guess, in the mid-season, if anything happens uh, that is noteworthy, which it may at any moment now, uh, we will jump on and we will break it down. So uh, if there is some sort of massive move or something that happens, we d- depending on what it is, but uh, we won't wait on, until the normal uh, series breakdown, you know, after the series to talk about it. We'll we'll try to jump on as quickly as we can and uh, get that uh, discussion out for you. So as always, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs. <laughs>